the creators of Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, November 14th, 2014, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Stamps.com. Getting your mailing and shipping done can seem like a no-win situation. Going to the post office takes up valuable time. Leasing a postage meter, it's expensive. You have all those multi-year commitments, hidden fees. Luckily, there's a better way, folks. Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your desk using your own computer and printer. You can even get a special postage like discounts you can't find at the post office. Plus, Stamps.com is more powerful than a postage meter at just a fraction of the cost. You can save up to 80% compared to a postage meter. And you'll avoid all the time consuming. I went to the post office the the other day. Were you being sued? Was it certified? It was very, very, very sketchy stuff. I had to wait in line for about 25 minutes because of all the old people that go to the post office by my place. And then I was the next one in line. Their computer shut down and I had to leave. See, you can't run a small business that way. I'm just saying. You can't be dependent on standing in line behind old people. So stamps. Let's talk about how annoying old people are. <laughs> Stamps.com right now. Use the promo code RELEVANT for a special offer. You can get a no-risk trial, and you get a $110 bonus offer, including a free digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. You have to use promo code RELEVANT. You go to Stamps.com, and, and before you do anything else, there's a little microphone. Click on it at the top of the homepage. And type in relevant, and you'll get the special offer for relevant podcast listeners. I, I think for the free digital scale alone, the deal is worth it. There you go. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been in my house and been wondering, I wonder how much those two paper clips weigh. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was some sort of digital and, device that could tell me instantly. And if you're dieting or something, you need to do like special measurements of like a right. certain weight of protein or broccoli. Sure. Your stamps.com meter right. may work. I don't know. Oh, I was th- you could you could weigh yourself. No one has ever had to weigh broccoli ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a dietitian, but there is an unlimited amount of broccoli allowed all the time. Okay. I, I, I have to talk about something dietary, but I, I suppose we should do introductions first. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios, joining us in person, Tyler Huckabee. Hey guys. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse. Carry. Hello, hello. All the way from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egrich. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and from Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, after a couple weeks away, back, large and in charge, Shauna Nequist. Wait a minute. Good morning. No, let's, let's, let me just. How about just in charge? I'm sorry. <laughs> Wick away? I'm, I'm going to give you another opportunity to say that in a way that doesn't make me cry. All the way from Chicago, Illinois, author and speaker and professional preacher, Shauna Nequist. Good morning. She spoke at Willow this weekend. And I saw the in tweet. the first two minutes of her sermon, <laughs> she uh, quoted, uh, rapped, Baby Got Back by yes, Sir Mix a Lot. Good work. 
and sang, literally sang. And it was so beautiful because when she sang, she was so not wanting to sing and so nervous. You could hear it in her voice. Like, I am singing in front of thousands of people, and I hate this moment right now. But it was so necessary, and you went there, and it was wonderful. What, what, I'm just curious what she sang. I mean, was it like the yeah. kind of thing where like you were just entered into like the moment yeah. of worship, and you just kept the service this going? Sounds like, this sounds suspiciously like the karaoke bar I went to on Sunday night. <laughs> You know what, Shona? Let's just hear it right now. Yeah, Chad, can you cue up the audio from the sermon yes. Sunday? Yep, here it is. Actually, I could. I could cue it up. Or so you, she could just do it for us right now. Yeah, do it live. No, I'm not going to do it, but we were, we were just talking about that phenomenon when you learn the words to a song wrong, and then you can never change them. They're, like, cemented in your mind. Oh, yeah. So there's line, a line from an old worship song that I learned the wrong way. What was it? Um, it was, uh, I thought it said, fill this land with your milk and honey. And and then Aaron. Wait, was it? I don't. Said, I don't yeah, know how that tune goes. I can't quite melody. place it. Yeah. Does anybody know the song? I can't. Baby got bad. Sorry, wrong one. What song was it? What was the real line? Well, I thought the real line was "Fill this land with your grace and mercy." And then on Twitter, someone corrected both Aaron and I, and I think it's fill this land with your father's glory. So everyone was wrong. <laughs> Those are all things that I would like to have my land filled with. So I'm not sure anybody's really wrong. Exactly. I feel here. like milk and honey, that's biblical. It's delicious. I'm going to stay with that. Sh- Shauna just hears food stuff into her worship yeah. songs. <laughs> that sounds like, that's a pretty good book title. Papaya. <laughs> Speaking of food stuff, I- I'm in a little weird mood today. I've, I've, I have. I've been I've jerry rigged my diet for this week. Why? I'm getting I'm getting life insurance <laughs> on, and I, but I have to get blood tested <laughs> to see if they'll accept me. And I don't want them to see the levels of sugar in my normal consumption, <laughs> or else I'm not going to like the rates. Even though you know this is we have a kid now. Obviously, you guys know that. Um, but you know my thing is, God forbid. The worst case scenario, I go down in a blaze of glory in one of these street magic performances. Right, right. I need to make sure Noah is set up as I go into the history books of magic as a hero. So how are you modifying your diet? Uh, no, like, what, what's going on? I've, el- I- I've eliminated the Halloween candy. Well, just because you ran out? Yeah, you ate it all. You ate it all. <laughs> exactly. I went a week prior. I figured about a week's time it takes to filter that out. Okay. And right now I'm just going like an Olympian. Which they just they just load up on everything in front of them, you know, just just to have the extra calories. And I figure who's healthier than an Olympian? No one. They'll my race will be virtually nothing. <laughs> I mean, I just it's just constant consumption. Okay. Well, that's what M- Michael Phelps would eat like two frozen pizzas a day while he was training he, for well, the. Like, he burned fifteen thousand calories a day. Well, yeah, that's the question: is how many calories? It's a, it's a matter of blood work now, Cameron. So my <laughs> blood is basically they're going to look at it on a chart and say, why does this guy look like he's eaten seventeen DiGiorno's, four <laughs> servings of Chinese food, and, and, and basically an endless supply of ramen for the last seven days? And obviously, he's an endurance athlete. Give, <laughs> give him the most rate possible, and we'll insure him for forty-seven million—the forty-seven million dollars he's asking for. <laughs> okay, Jesse. Um, the one thing that I want is I will pay you five dollars if you take a recording device into the doctor's appointment with you. Because I feel like just staring death in the face and taking blood work, this is a lot of things are going to come out of your mouth that I would like a recording of. Five dollars. I'll absolutely record it. Wait a second, though. She's being. I, I mean, why did you record your consultation with your doctor a couple weeks ago? 
I was going to, mm-hmm. but then I got the good news and I just, I blacked out. Wait, what was the good news? That I don't have to have surgery. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Is your body actually healing now or are the oils that you're, the homeotherapy? The oils have made it irreparable. Not even surgery will fix it. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I'm starting to feel like maybe my... Because I go to a family practice doctor, and she was the one that was like, based on the x-rays, I think you might have to have surgery. So, of course, I'm freaking out until I go meet with the surgeon. But she also, like a year ago, I went to her about some some issues with my hands and different things. And she, after like 10 minutes of doing testing, she was like, you know what? I'm going to be honest. It sounds like MS. And so then again, I had like five days of waiting. And then she's like, nope, it's not. So I'm starting to think that maybe my family doctor is just like a little bit on the extreme side. Are you sure she's not just WebMD? Like uh, somebody who just like... (laughs) She's like, I'm going to step out for a minute and Google some stuff. Yeah, I'll be right back. (laughs) I'm going to consult my everything. It's cancer. Clearly it's (laughs) cancer. Yeah, she's looking down at her phone as you're talking to her. And her face is going, ooh, oh, really? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I don't like the way this reads. I, gi- I give you weeks, Troy. Yeah. Well, well, Troy, fortunately, the appointment's in my home. They're actually coming here to conduct these tests. Uh, so I'll have like the P90X going in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing some Ab River X all morning. And my house is already bugged uh, for for surveillance purposes. So I'll have an audio of this. I'll have clean audio. Are they? I didn't know that life insurance places would come to your home to do a personal... Yeah, do they like go through your cupboard to that see... That doesn't like, sound like... that. Is this a Craigslist thing? Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know where we found these. This is a door-to-door life insurance salesman. <laughs> uh, operates out of a, a van. Yeah. He's, got a, he's got a fleet of uh, two vans uh, that he drives around. I've, I've actually also got mortality on the mind because I'm turning 30 next week. Uh-oh. This is the, this is the big, so, so I'm planning. So call the Grim Reaper. <laughs> it's all downhill. I'm planning my birthday party slash funeral, whichever comes first. It could be either, I suppose, at this point. And, uh, well, Tyler, you, you have hit your midlife crisis because you're in town. Uh, people don't know. Uh, you're, well, Cameron said you're in the studio there in Florida. Yeah. And Tyler informed me this morning that uh, upon his arrival at the airport to get his rental car, he said, no Xterra for me. That's his typical vehicle of choice. <laughs> he went from yellow Xterra to what I'm presuming is a yellow Ford Mustang. Is it was, that right? Uh, it was actually for the second, t- the second time since I've, since I've come here, we've been, we rent a car when I come down to Orlando f- to spend the week here. And both times, this place has offered me a free upgrade to a red Mustang convertible. What? <laughs> you look like a convertible I man. think they see, they see yeah. this guy, and they, they size me up right away. They know that, that no, no Camry is going to do <laughs> to cart this hunk of meat around here. I would look at you and say, okay, look at, look at, the, look at that hair. Look at that, 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 you know. The chiseled physique. The, the chiseled physique the leather jacket, the jeans, get the guy the Mustang, and you know what, Charlie? Bring around the one with the trailer and the stand-up jet ski on it. (laughs) (laughs) Or they say, look at this midlife crisis, this guy at death's door. Looks like he's about to turn 30 years old. Might as well give him one last run around. (laughs) Listen, people who turn 50 say, oh, 50's a new 40. 40 say, that's a new 20. Dude, 30's a new 10. You're fine. You got a a way to go. You should probably get a door-to-door life insurance salesman to come by your house just well, in I'm case. thinking about it. Yeah, Jesse, when you're done with your guy, send him down to Tyler. <laughs> just send him to Nashville. I'll be ready for him. Yeah, he does he does a lot of blood work out of that van. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a long time when I was renting cars, I would frequently get upgraded to a purple convertible PT cruiser. 
<laughs> everywhere, <What>? all the <laughs> time. In San Francisco, in Atlanta, in Phoenix, in anywhere I went, they would say, hey, oh, it looks like we have an upgrade available. And I would take it and it would be every time a purple convertible PT Cruiser. I see it. What does it mean? You look like a mom, oh, I, oh, but you I look like it. a jazzy mom. Like a, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Cool yeah. mom. It means that all that was left was the PT Cruisers. Yeah, exactly. But they tried to spin it like you got an upgrade. You can say no to the PT. No. I don't know. I always get kind of a Hitler vibe off the PT Cruiser, which may not necessarily say anything about you, Sean. I don't know. <laughs> it's just what I've always thought. <laughs> when you look at those old cars, the 1940s cars in Germany, you look at a PT Cruiser, put them side by side, you Very will similar. agree with me. You'll agree. I've never seen a PT Cruiser other than one that's in that plum purple. It's like I've seen maybe four Xterras that are not bright yellow, and I've never seen it. My grandmother had a PT Cruiser. She was also 87 years old. <laughs> And it was a uh, cream. It was white. It oh, wasn't purple. That sounds kind of nice. Limited edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the ninety-year-olds. But cream-colored cars just seem like they just seem like stale white to me. Like an ambulance or something. Like the popcorn jelly bellies. That color. Yes, oh. it's just a yeah, that's a bad color. I'm a fan. You I'm are. A, oh, really? I'm a fan. Oh, give, give send them to me, guys. When you find those popcorn jelly bellies, <laughs> put them in a little envelope. Get go to stamps.com. <laughs> weigh them out. Weigh so you know out, how many you set, you'll be digital, able to. You have yeah. a digital. You have digital. Way. Yeah, if you sign up promo code relevant, you'll get it for free. <laughs> yeah. Okay, back to that digital scale, real quick. I did have a question because just this morning I went to get coffee at my coffee shop and I was telling them how I tried. You guys know the Chemex coffee maker where you have to like. I know it well. Yeah. Yeah. I have one, Joy. Okay, so it's like super intense. You have to have the right pour. You have to have the right filters. And, and then they this morning they were like, and you have to have the scale if you're not going to weigh out the coffee. And I was like, I am never going to buy a scale to weigh coffee out. <laughs> but now I'm putting two and two together. Do you think I could use the postal service scale for my coffee? I don't. Absolutely. I don't know. I, okay, I can't. We can't. <laughs> we don't, we're say not this, promising anything. Because the scales are $60. But yes. It's, <laughs> well, the normal um, postage meter is like 100 yeah. I mean, that's what Eddie paid. Yeah. And uh, you can get it for free, promo code relevant. My, my lawyer is shaking his head, but I think we can <laughs> say definitely. <laughs> It'll weigh broccoli, jelly bellies, coffee, freshly coffee, ground coffee, what and else? postage. All manner of household items. Just throw it on that free postage scale. <laughs> Jesse's going to step onto it before the life insurance comes through just to show. Just to make he's sure. In, he's in trim fighting shape. <laughs> All this P90X, as you can see right here, on, that's on a loop on my television. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously in deep physical shape. Uh, well, we have a great show coming up for you uh, today. We're talking to pastor and author Eugene Cho later. Eddie talks to him. Eddie's oh. not here because he's off talking to Eugene Cho. Uh, and we have an in-studio <laughs> performance by an awesome uh, artist, John Guerra, yeah. coming up later. I do like John. From Chicago. He came through like our John. studio about a month ago. We, we went to Moody Bible Institute together. That's John right. and I did. So we you were, didn't go to college we together. Were, you went to we the were institute we together. Were, <laughs> we were institutionalized together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at first, you know, it's we're in the middle of the holiday season. We're in the throes of all the joy and revelry. Uh, we're after Halloween. We're, we're two, you know, like a week and a half from Thanksgiving. That's it, yeah. And, you know, after that, then we can start thinking about Christmas. But, you know, a lot of us 
come when it comes to Thanksgiving, it's a little stressful because you know maybe you can't make it home. Mom isn't going to make the the big feast for us, and so you got to. Or maybe you have kids now. You're going to do your own Thanksgiving, or maybe you're just doing friendsgiving. But a lot of us like are going to have to do our own Thanksgiving this year, and we're it's a blind lean the blind, folks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but. It just so happens that we have a culinary master on our show, oh, a person right. not only who is great with the food part of it, but the hospitality and all the thoughtfulness, Michelle Aniquist. Thank you. So oh, we right. thought we would, <laughs> we thought we would ask her. You know, we get, you know, as we're all planning for Thanksgiving, we would ask her to bring us some of the best tips that she's learned for Thanksgiving to make it a memorable one. So it's time for Shauna's Thanksgiving tips. I wish that had gone on for about 30 more seconds. Just that slow deconstruction fade. It sounds like it sounds like a Tom York tune after like 45 seconds in. That's that's a hot jam. (laughs) All right, so Shauna, take it away. Well, you know, I have just 10 quick tips and I'm totally in the spirit of it. I'm so glad we're doing this today because just last night our cooking club did our Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. So I actually had like stuffing um, and uh, potatoes for breakfast because I brought leftovers. So I have top 10 Thanksgiving tips. And the first one is the most important. Um, This is a big thing right now in kind of the food world. It's a little bit controversial. People have strong feelings about it. But my number one Thanksgiving tip, spatchcock your turkey. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not allowed this to. This is a friendly show. And it's time for entertainment releases. My wife is going to have some serious issues with my spatchcock the turkey. Sanitation issues. Uh, don't, just a pro tip, don't Google that term. Yeah. It, uh, it'll set off all the filters. <laughs> Explain that, Sean. This is a family yeah, show. Pl- pl- please bring this from extremely lowbrow until somewhat educational. Okay, so the deal is... What's normally challenging about a turkey is it's so big, a lot of people don't have ovens big enough to fit the whole turkey, and it's almost impossible to keep to cook it evenly. You know, the legs cook really quickly, the rest of it cooks really slowly, the skin is uneven, especially if you want to put stuffing in it. It ends up really tricky to get even doneness and crispy skin all the way around. This is why you spatchcock. And again, what you're doing is you're using kitchen scissors to cut through the backbone and then lay it completely fat, flat. So what that means is it can fit into a much smaller oven and it can cook in 90 minutes, which is what? amazing compared to the normal, like, you know, 17 hours that some turkeys take. Oh. So that is my number one piece of advice. Any questions on that one? Uh, yeah, yes. So many. <laughs> Shauna, here's the thing. Turkeys in the raw form, and I think... I'm hoping, I'm thinking everyone's going to agree with me on this, are totally disgusting. Like, I <laughs> yeah, cannot yeah, touch yeah. That, that wet, nasty plucked it's bird. It's like the rat tail for you. But even if I had a thick glove on, if I stuck my hand in there to, to do whatever you do as a cook, <laughs> I would gag. I would gag. Like, there's no way I'm spatchcocking it, much less touching it, even with utensils and kitchen scissors when it's raw. My question is, what's my flash cooking options? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm all ears. I would say another good option is your butcher can spatchcock it for you. Oh. They say you're not on good terms with a butcher. With a butcher. 
for reasons that your lawyer suggested you not get into. <laughs> can we talk Jesse about the flash cookie? know what the George Foreman can do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people like to do like the deep frying one. That one makes me a little bit nervous. For me, I would say you want to either grill or roast in the oven. Those are the two best options. When grill you say grill, <laughs> <laughs> you mean just put the entire turkey on your backyard grill? <laughs> because it, even, if cooking evenness is going to be an issue... What I'm, you do I'm, mean? I, I do have my concerns there. I understand. No, I think I think it, I think a grill is a good option if your grill is big enough. Again, um, so number two, my number two tip: stay classic. I have learned this the hard way. Um, nobody wants like a creative south of the border twist on Thanksgiving. Nobody wants like a cool, fun Asian fusion. This is not the the, the Thanksgiving to say like, hey, instead of a turkey this year, we're doing sushi. Nobody likes that. People want. <laughs> Um, this is they they I think it's because people don't, mostly don't eat like stuffing and green bean casserole any other time of the year. So this is their like their mm-hmm. one day. So don't try to go like way off the deep end. Just stay classic. Mm-hmm. Do you I, have I, a specific story of when you tried to go rogue and your I, family I got did, upset? I did serve sushi one year. And <laughs> while my family was down with it, our guests did not think it was a good idea. They were not cool with it. They're guests. Why do they even have the right to be picky? Yeah, I Why hope they you didn't, invite these ungrateful people. I hope over they didn't say home. anything to you. <laughs> okay, so number three. Wait, wait. I have one <laughs> semi-related question there. So. Yeah. <laughs> say that you know, I, I get not being creative with the food. I understand that, but when you're talking about dishware, here's my thing. I don't like the runniness of Thanksgiving. Not a Thanksgiving guy. Never, never have been. I don't want my gravy touching the cranberry sauce. You, oh. you know what I mean? But like that's not a good look on my plate. Is it inappropriate for me to being bring dozens of tiny dishes, possibly from a dollhouse, to use my by myself <laughs> to avoid the uncomfortable mixing of foods that don't match? Yeah, I, I I think, or maybe maybe a really just low key appropriate option would be to just demand that whoever's serving Thanksgiving to you serve it to you in entirely different containers, just like in a low maintenance, really kind way, just saying like, yeah, I'm, yeah, we can totally come this year. I just would love for you to serve me every single thing individually just something low-key like that is a good idea yeah, i think yeah. for I'm, our I'm actually writing that one down that's good that's good yeah i actually yeah. i think i just came up with an invention idea just like a little like pinwheel looking type thing that you set on your plate that divides everything somebody invent that now oh so like you could bring your own so you could still like be at someone else's table but you would just like plop this thing down on their plate and it would keep your stuff separate yeah it like it. looks ah. like little pie wedges yeah that would, solve a lot of my, that would solve a lot of family conflict <laughs> <Yeah>. for me. <laughs> um, so number three, ask for help. Nobody should cook this entire massive meal alone, um, both in terms of like have somebody come over during the day and cook the whole thing with you and set the table. It's way more fun that way. But also ask every single person to bring something. Um, and again, these are pretty classic dishes, so they're not super difficult. So um, this is definitely one where like if you're going to do the turkey, make sure – you know, somebody's bringing the potatoes, somebody's bringing the sweet potatoes, somebody's bringing the rolls so that you're not doing it all alone. It can get a lot of people go from like zero to hero on this day. Like they don't ever cook ever, but then they decide I'm going to serve 20 people, 20 dishes on this one day. That's never a good idea. So make sure you're asking for help. Uh, Number four, it's about the gathering, not about the food. Even though Thanksgiving is really, really food focused, one of like my number one food table rule ever is it's never more... 
The food is not the point. The gathering is the point. And so keep that in mind. The food doesn't have to be perfect. The gathering, the conversation, the being together, the storytelling, that's the heart of it. So if you keep that in mind, kind of lowers the stress level on the food. But but what if you have <laughs> kind of a weird extended family? Nobody really likes each other. It's awkward silence. It really is about the food at that point. We're all focusing on what we're eating quietly as we sit at a table together once a year. That's well, true. And, and that leads to, to, to my question too, Cameron, is... The the problem of say you're hosting okay and it's it's you know everyone's having a good time mingling but you're looking at your watch it's time I need my home back here <laughs> okay <laughs> how do you you know because I have a strategy coming into this year to 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 you know cut the lingering time down a little bit which is to set off my carbon monoxide alarm <laughs> but I haven't figured out a safe way to do it without actually releasing carbon monoxide into the house. So I'm open for some tips. Well, see, and, and Thanksgiving is tricky. I think there's a there's a dividing line on Thanksgiving. Correct me if I'm wrong with, with your family and friends. When the meal is over, if one person turns on the television and starts watching football, everyone is staying in your house for 12 more hours. And they might even like borrow your sweatpants. Like if one person does the post-meal migration to the living room and the television, it's over. They basically live there. But... If before that moment happens, you can like, oh, my goodness, this was wonderful. Aren't you excited to get home to watch the game? That's your moment. Wow. If you want to cut it off. That's, that's actually, that's actually really good advice. the carbon monoxide. <laughs> right. Just to, just to get for the stragglers. Yeah. I feel like aren't you excited to get home might be a little strong. But other than that, I'm really into the. Because I am. I'm excited for you to leave. Take your, take your weird dividing invention. And leave. If, you, if you didn't want my stuff. Stuffing, touching the gravy. You should have sent me an email beforehand asking for tiny containers out of my home. Your dollhouse. (laughs) Wait, so, so I, okay, so is this a thing? I mean, people like gather just for the meal and then disperse because I've only ever done the whole, we're going to eat at two to four and football's on and then. Six hours from now, we're making turkey sandwiches from the leftovers, yeah. and it's just a whole day. That's usually yeah. the Huckabee house. The thing is, if you don't want people in your house, what, I mean, I never host anything, so that could be the solution. <laughs> what, just sit home alone? <laughs> no, go to other people's homes. Then you have free reign of when you have to be around people and when you can be alone. So really, that's the number one tip. <laughs> just number get one your, tip, yeah. Don't host if you don't like humans. Get yourself invited somewhere else. If you're choosing to ignore Shauna's rule about making it about the gathering and not about the food, the next best thing yeah. is to never host or have any friends whatsoever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't, even, I didn't even get myself invited somewhere. I invited myself over to a friend's house. Did you really? For Thanksgiving? Yeah. For Thanksgiving? Yeah, I think I I don't have anywhere to go. Can I come over to your house for Thanksgiving? Wait, why are your parents yeah, ignoring you? Where's Everson? Why can't they? My parents. I have not had Thanksgiving with my parents since high school, and, except for one year when what? I flew home on my own dime and surprised my mother. What? It's, this is it's so it's so close to Christmas. Why they don't want me home back to back? That's this expensive. Is, this is paradigm shifting for me. I've never heard of anybody who does not go home to Thanksgiving. Regularly, yeah. If you can't make it every year, but you know, it's yeah, still the at thing. Least, at least the, every it's other. It's the desired goal, even if you can't make it happen one year. Yeah, I, I try to make it home every year. Uh, you know, aside from those two years, they inform me there's a carbon monoxide leak in the house. <laughs> <laughs> It's been it's been very enjoyable. Well, I'm starting to get a complex, but I didn't have one before. Should I talk to my therapist about this? Yeah, or your parents? Or just go home. <laughs> <laughs> but Christmas is like a second later. 
It's the holidays. So that's the one you pick one. Don't yeah. you fly home like every month anyway? Yeah. Well, so, the, again, the wife. But skip- I did in college. They literally never invited me home for Thanksgiving in college. That makes no sense. I to can't. Me. I can't get that through my head. I it's, thought you're. It's well, called. But low- Joy and I both went to college pretty far away, so yeah. it's not like you know they didn't invite her home the the forty five minute distance, right? Yeah, like, this is a yeah, distance. It's, you can't afford two tickets back to back for I two just, kids because my brother was at Westmont as well. So it just seems like a big part of love and respect to be like sacrificially. <laughs> no, I don't like, know. I'm not the expert. Like, I'm not. Adjectives to describe <laughs> flying a child over Thanksgiving. I think love. I think respect. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. I'm not the expert. This isn't my yeah. forte or anything. Yeah. I just, I'm yeah. just, I'm surprised. All right, surprised. next tip. Tip number five. <laughs> so, Cameron, um, I'm thinking of like when you, especially uh, what you were talking about, like family that might not have a ton in common. Um, when you're the host, you have the right to sort of engineer a conversation in a way that you wouldn't be able to normally normally bring about with your family. So I would say something like table talk or um, converse, uh, questions written on each place card or questions written on the menu cards or something like that. Um, this is Thanksgiving is a formal enough holiday where you can get away with engineering a conversation and then you can make it a really meaningful experience that might not otherwise happen. Interesting. So. I would say, and I, I do think place cards are a good idea for Thanksgiving because it's a big enough, kind of formal enough meal. And so, like maybe on the back of each place card, a question about something you're thankful for, a, some, uh, uh, an important family memory, a tradition you want to pass on to your kids, that kind of stuff. Make kind of take control of the conversation and and invite people into making it meaningful. So, so just kind of ask, like, so how's the relationship with your butcher? Because mine's gone south recently. <laughs> um, number six, this is more like just an idea. I know some people get really overwhelmed at Thanksgiving that they have to build like a woodland village on their table and it gets very elaborate. Wait, and, what? Um, <laughs> a woodland village? Want, like a fancy, super fancy table. Oh, and then okay. people feel intimidated by that. Okay. I feel intimidated by that. But wait, I don't know um, what a woodland village is. Well, just like the, the, there would have to be like a cornucopia and some gourds rolling out and then some corn and like it, that kind of gets like, a, it's a kind of a lot of work. That's not my strong suit. Well, c- real quick question, Shauna. I sure. am disappointed to hear that the woodland village is not in this year. It's <laughs> uh, a few weeks of work down the drain. So thanks. Um, what if you're not sure you own a gro- gravy boat, but you you know positively that you have at least one fancy soap dish? Will anyone know what gravy's in it? <laughs> I mean, when I disguised it as a la- as a pond in the Woodland Village, no one noticed. But now that I'm scrapping that, I need to know if they're going to know it's a soap dish or not. So. So thanks a lot again. Just pack up the Woodland Village, put it right next to the dollhouse. It'll be beautiful. It's not looking good, right? Right. I'm I'm ju- I'm got just got to figure out the carbon monoxide thing. Right. Right. Get back to me when you figure that out. So the simplest idea. Yeah, um, we do this at our house all the time for when we have um, dinner parties. Get either butcher paper or craft paper all the way across your table. Sometimes it takes two rolls, depending on how wide your table is. Tape it, you know, around the edges and then either have someone with like a vague artistic sensibility write words about Thanksgiving all over it or have your kids color all over it and then put jelly jars full of colored pencils all along the table with the place settings. So then you can have people color while they're eating or they can write down what they're thankful for, but it makes it kind of a messy, fun, informal way to do a formal, what usually is a formal meal. So butcher paper, it's like two bucks, bunch of colored pencils. There you go. 
I just want to insert here that she did say tape down the butcher paper because one of my greatest fears in life, anytime I go to a restaurant and they have butcher paper, pre I pre-fold the paper underneath because paper cuts on your wrists are just a high probability. So if you didn't hear her say tape them down, make sure you tape it down. Wait. You don't want people bleeding out at Thanksgiving dinner. Are you serious? You really have that phobia? Oh, yeah. That seems like sort of a... Come. Can I have a question? It's have oddly you, specific. I feel like we're picking on Joy a lot, and I don't mean to have do you, that, Joy. Have you ever cut yourself on the ta- paper table cloth? Well, I've gotten a paper cut before, but yeah. then I haven't gotten it in that instance because I did preventative measures. <laughs> <laughs> Joy, I will say, I will say this: the falling out with my butcher was in a related incident. <laughs> so your fears are not unfounded. Thank you, thank you. Um, okay, so number seven: this is a rule for any time you're cooking, but especially at Thanksgiving, no scented candles, not of any kind. There is nothing weirder or ickier than walking in and smelling like half turkey, half. Uh, you know, Vanilla. like a your Yankee Candle beach scent or clean laundry <laughs> scent. You absolutely you want candles because they make everybody look pretty and they make everything look kind of glowy and festive, but they absolutely cannot be scented. So no cucumber melon. No cucumber melon anytime you're cooking. What about essential oils? <laughs> I would question. not diffuse heavily when you're cooking Thanksgiving dinner. But, I know the new thing is a lot of people are wearing little diffusers around their neck what? so that they can. Yeah. That, nope. Well, was, I don't even know about this. This is this is a whole new list. <laughs> like shamans. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a flight recently and someone had a battery diffuser and they were diffusing thieves and patchouli into what? our air. I don't know about that. I love it. Uh, I have a related question. (laughs) (laughs) Is this about a dollhouse? (laughs) Uh, No, no. This is about, uh, well, it's not about candle or scents, but it is somewhat about Thanksgiving. What's the longest acceptable carving knife? And where would one acquire such a thing? Like, I'm thinking katana. Yeah. I feel like this is the one holiday where you can do that. Yeah. I want to unsheathe like a very impressive blade (laughs) in front of my family and kind of wave it and point it and wave it at everyone. Jesse, don't unsheathe and then snatch cock it. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight. Number eight, go easy on the hors d'oeuvres, okay? This is one of those meals where people want to eat massive amounts of the main course, and most of them are practicing some sort of sophisticated strategy to have maximum stomach room. So if you put a lot of effort into like an enormous cheese plate or tons of whatever little yummy things, they're not going to eat it. Or if they do eat it, then they will be angry with you because they have enjoyed your hors d'oeuvres, but now you've taken their precious stomach space and they can't have more potatoes. I don't so, mean to sound contrarian here, but I'm going to push back a little bit on this. What if oh. you want a lot of hors d'oeuvres and a lot of the main course? What if, what if you're trying to trick a blood test? <laughs> you have the diet of an Olympic athlete. That's true. If Michael Phelps is coming, have lots of hors d'oeuvres. Right. Or, or any Olympic or athlete. Or if Jesse's coming. Or if Jesse's Or any <laughs> Olympic athlete. Yeah. yeah, totally. And then that brings me to number nine. Double the amount of mashed potatoes. You can make like whatever uh, little denominations of everything you want, no matter what double the potatoes because people love mashed potatoes and they sort of go crazy for them on Thanksgiving. So um, the thing you will run out of immediately is mashed potatoes in my experience. Interesting. Related question. (laughs) (laughs) What if turkey baser was ruined during some homemade science experiments a few weeks ago? It should definitely not be used for anything that's going to be used for human consumption. (laughs) Ideas? Ideas. Get a new one. Is there a follow-up question? Do you have something else in mind? 
budget's a little tight. Don't think I'm going to get a new one. What does it even do on Thanksgiving? <laughs> what does it do? <laughs> in, in relation to Thanksgiving, I know what it does for my experiments with uh, chemicals. Let's hear, let's hear more about those, Jesse. <laughs> Once again, my lawyers advised me not to get too deep. All right. Okay. So- I don't want Jesse in any kitchen ever. Yeah. I just, I'm so nervous. I, I would... I think I would let you come to the table, dollhouse dishes and all, katana and all, but the kitchen, I feel like, is a no. <laughs> Makes me nervous. The night that we're all in, everybody's in town, the night before the Christmas party, uh, we're going to have dinner. I was thinking of having it at my house for everybody, and I was going to have it catered, but I'm thinking maybe what we need to do is just prepare it together. That's a Let's great make dinner idea. together. That's a, that would be, but Jesse, no Jesse. But no, I'm well, saying Jesse would be there with <laughs> his katana blade unsheathed in the corner. <laughs> and his battery just, powered just diffuser. Bring, yeah, bring me meats. I'll hack them up. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not spatchcocking anything without my wife around. I'd... Cameron, I need to know where you keep a lot of your chemicals. I checked by your lawnmower. I got the two-cycle oil. But I'm going to need some cleaning supplies if this flash cooker is going to come together like I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> flash cooker. A homemade flash cooker. All right. Yeah, it's basically just a big fireball I'm going to make in your backyard. Okay, so number 10, send home leftovers with your guests. This is sort of an, an ultimate sacrifice. You've been cooking all day. You totally want to keep them for yourself. But little to-go containers for each of your guests is like the greatest thing you could ever do. So hmm. that's if you can get a bunch of those little foil containers, people will be so happy to walk out with like pecan pie and sweet potatoes and green bean casserole. Do you make them into little shapes like swans? The oh, that would be even next level. Well, Jesse, yes. Jesse, well, clearly that's. The I, level I love you're that at. idea because it puts guests like me in the non-awkward position of stealing food. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's great. I mean, this oh, is man. this has been super helpful super and helpful. and game changer. <laughs> yes, game changer. <laughs> We're all going to have incredible Thanksgivings that that we draw on the table, have table topics because we don't really know the people we're sitting on the table with or know what to talk about. <laughs> And we can send them home with leftovers immediately after the dinner so they don't hang out and watch football with us. <laughs> this has been Shauna's Thanksgiving Tips. Shauna's Thanksgiving Tips. You know, the, oh, the jingle kind of drags on the way those awkward Thanksgivings Absolutely. do if you don't do the tips. <laughs> yep. I like it. Yep. This is re- that was really Very good. Very intentional. All right. Well, uh, moving on. Uh, it is time for this week's entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, November 18th. TV on the radio is coming out with Seeds. Manchester Orchestra is coming out with Hope. Oh, that's who's had it all along. Um, <laughs> a- Ariel Pink is coming out with Pom Pom, which is perfect for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last but not least, Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil is coming out with their uh, Kickstarter-funded album, Goliath. Yeah, cool. We're going to have that on the cool. drop, too. So Very cool. Yeah. Uh, movie release is coming out Friday, November 21st, so now we're getting in, into the holiday movies. Again, Awkward Family Members, you don't have anything to do. I guess we'll go to the movie theater the after that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you could see The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1, Jennifer Lawrence and all those other people. Uh, and also Imitation Game, the Benedict Cumberbunch and Kira Knightley movie. It's coming lots out. of games in this, uh, this lineup of holidays. Imitation Holly. Game, Hunger Games, uh, Cards Against Humanity, the movie is coming out. <laughs> oh. um, don't, take, don't take the family to that's that. That's a hard R right there. That's a Just hard the trailer R. would be the, a hard The hardest R. R. <laughs> the hardest R possible. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for entertainment releases. Uh, Thanksgiving tips for Shauna. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices.
portions of this week's podcast are brought to you by Zondervan, publishers of the new book titled Jesus Continued by Pastor J.D. Greer. Learn why the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. More information is available at Zondervan.com. You're listening to X Cops. <laughs> the song is uh, Black Soap. I, I enjoy names like X Cops. X Cops. Yeah, they have a very friendly sound to their music. At the beginning of the show, you heard Borns, but it's got that that slash through the O, like like the yeah, like the Bjorn. Bjorn. people do. No, I thought Bjorn. I thought that was J with the O with the slash. Oh, I don't actually know what the slash is. That's like I think it's just the chemical sign for boron or something. Yeah, so I thought you, only tennis players could do that. Right. <laughs> so you listen to Bjorns, uh, not to be confused with Bjork. Right. Okay. Anyway, it's Borns. Bjorn. The song is Sing Stars. Well, uh, before we jump into slices, a little behind the scenes here. The internet in Chicago is struggling today, and uh, Shauna, during that last segment, actually got bumped off so many times that we just decided to call it, and she uh, she's going to call her uh, cable guy and try and get her internet fixed. So <laughs> Maybe blamed Walinda. Yeah, it was all Walinda's well, fault. Yeah. Well, he tripped over the wire. Or Osteen's fault. <laughs> could have, or, actually, I think I'll blame Osteen uh, on this one. I've... We should all blame Olstein. We, we can't prove that Olstein is responsible. I know. I can't stop. You know what? We don't even care how people mispronounce his name. <laughs> he care. snubs us. <laughs> I believe it's O with a slash through it. S-T. I've lost a tremendous How would my sleep. name be pronounced if it was Joy O with a slash Y? It's impronounceable. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Good. Okay, so uh, flying without Shauna, it's just the rest of us. What do you have for slices, Jesse? All right, well, perhaps in the history of doing relevant podcast slices. I have had no more, uh, uh, no, no other story has been requested that we talk about than this one I'm going to do right now. Uh, I got numerous uh, uh, tweets and emails about this. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, talk about it now, and I want to hear everyone's reaction about a new Discovery Channel special that will be airing on December 7th. So we're just weeks away here from a historic television event. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm talking about before I, I no say idea I know, what I'm I know it's about. coming. I know it's coming, and I can't wait to talk about it. It's called Eat a Live Anaconda. Oh, <laughs> yes. that guy. Yeah. And in it, a naturalist, this is from Discovery Channel, naturalist wildlife film, a naturalist wildlife filmmaker will enter the belly of an anaconda in a custom-built snake-proof suit. So he is going to antagonize an anaconda in the wild. But he's in, in the like wild. A, in the wild, like... Half the well, it looks like from the, all my research, which has been the last few days, has been solely dedicated to this. Mostly <laughs> analyzing the two 90 second teasers that have been le- released by Discovery Channel. It looks like a lot of the special will be him venturing into wherever this is, uh, presumably somewhere in the Amazon rainforest, hunting down the perfect anaconda that he will then use, he will antagonize to eat him alive. He's in this crazy-looking suit that they've constructed, right? Yeah, what, do we, what do we know it, about the I'm, suit? Yeah, I can't picture a snake-proof suit. Yeah, it's 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 snake-proof. How does, does that, that mean? Breathe? What does that mean, though? Yeah, snake-proof. I think it has a tube or something, from what I've read. There's some sort of tube, and it's like uh, uh, something that the snake won't be able to crush his lungs. That's the most dangerous part. Is that he's going to constrict you in the belly too much that you can't even breathe in there? So he's got some sort of breathing apparatus, right? 
He's gonna he's gonna be he <laughs> eaten alive in the in this uh, custom suit. But in order to do it, he has to antagonize the anaconda. So he's gonna cover. This is disgusting. But he's gonna cover the suit in pig's blood, so that the the anaconda believes he's eating an injured pig. And they're gonna show this on TV. It's Question. pretty spectacular. But here here's the so thing though questions. is that the anaconda wouldn't swallow him until it knew that it had killed it by suffocation. So why would it if it's got this protective thing? It's never going to swallow it. You bring up a good point. Uh, so a uh, a couple news outlets have called up different like you know scientists and people that work at zoos and stuff and said, "Look, here's a premise for this show: Is Discovery just pulling one over on us?" And yeah. is this as, a megalodon situation? Yeah, is right. this a, is this a megalodon? As as a lot of people know, I've had a roller coaster relationship <laughs> with Discovery Channel in recent years. It's been very emotional. You know, th- at one time, I like to think, did they make the Oscars.biz or did the Oscars.biz make Discovery Channel? <laughs> it's debatable. TV historians are still, you know, going back and forth on that one. But anyway, we were close for a while, Discovery Channel and us. Then Shark Week happened. Right. Then, Meg- you know, they megalodoned us with a fake documentary. The, yeah, the fake, the fake Shark Week happened. Yeah, the fake. Sh- and then they just did a fake Yeti show. Right. So basically, they're doing fake documentaries that they're purporting to be real. Uh, and that really rubbed me the wrong way. But then they invited us to come see Nick Walinda, and I like to think that they patch things over. The make or break moment is December 7th to see if this gentleman's actually going to be eaten alive by an anaconda. What, what have the experts that various news channels have brought in said about this? Do they think it's on the up and up? They said it's impossible. <laughs> they said there's no way that this could happen with a snake. And the guy's like, look, look, I'm really good at playing dead. I'm really good at it. Well, they, well, they said that, you know, part of the reason is the dude has said that the snake will, isn't harmed. Like, during this activity. So, so he's not going to, like, get out by bursting gonna, out of the snake's Yeah, he's belly. not going to, like, knife his way out. He's not going to unsheathe <laughs> He's just going to crawl back out the way he came in or, or maybe the opposite. That's the thing. Or is he going to come out the other end? Yeah. I think that's what everyone wants to see, right? Am I do I right? want to see. I do. I do no, want to see the full passage. I don't want yeah, to. See, I would I prefer do. not to. But. I don't think it counts as being eaten alive unless it is, as Tyler said, full passage. I can't. Okay, first of all, <laughs> the thing can unhinge its jaw to make that opening really big. I don't think yeah, he can unhinge anything on the other side. <laughs> I didn't know we had a snake expert. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and Discovery is being uh, purposely ambiguous about some of these details, uh, but that's not going to prevent me from watching every minute of this special and live tweeting it on December 7th that your DVRs people. Wait, you're going to tweet to Twitter for I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to live tweet. I'm going to I'm going to be active on Twitter for one night only <laughs> for charity. Yeah, for, charity. Yeah, all proceeds go to uh myself to get my own snake suit. <laughs> now in- ask your insurance guy what you think his life insurance policy is. Yeah, the about guy. yeah, but the snake guy? <laughs> yeah. Now, let's say, sir, that uh, I'm considering performing a stunt while I'm eaten alive by an anaconda. I've rolled around in pig blood and... (laughs) But my blood work comes back fine. What kind of rates are you thinking? In the Jennifer Lopez movie, nobody has to antagonize the snake. It just kind of comes out and eats them a lot of people have have made that uh made that analogy that you know this is going to be basically a reenactment i think there's a scene where owen wilson is swallowed whole by a snake i remember you can see the imprint of his body you see his face he's struggling to get out as he's pulled away i remember i I saw it when i was very young and it's sort of the the guy said that he will be going head first into the snake so 
what if things go horribly wrong? Head first. That's the question. If he goes feet first, you can kind of kind of shimmy your way back Wiggle out. your way out. Yeah. If he goes head, head first, first, you have to go out the other end. That's a one-way trip. That's a yeah. torpedo situation. Uh-huh. I- there, there's so many layers of intrigue <laughs> right now. The exit strategy is the biggest looms large in my mind as a possible way where the this could go wrong. The head first thing is stupid. Go feet yeah. first. Head first. Dr- I'm not going to lie. Thinking- the thing that I want to see happen is the anaconda bypass the pig's blood and just go straight for the cameraman. But you know what, though? Seriously, <laughs> what he's not thinking about, I mean, this guy's physique... The anaconda don't want none unless he's got none. Yeah, what if the what if the anaconda <laughs> don't want none? I mean, they, 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 they they've thought about this. Uh, the guy's name is Paul Badonkadonk Rosie. <laughs> okay, good. good. All right. <laughs> so uh, they got All that. Right. <laughs> All right. Okay. What do you have, Joy? So from Christy Cole on Twitter, he uh, told me about this uh, incident. Where two teens stole a wagon full. That's the best part is that I have a visual of these two teenagers running with a, a red wagon full of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> um, but the best is that the girls were 12 and 13 and they one of them ran after the guys. Did she catch him? No. Oh, uh, but she oh. was screaming and like made a big deal. And then one of the parents in the neighborhood, there was no adults with them. Well, there's, that's there's like, your first problem right there. I mean, they're basically rolling around that wagon in front of, in, in, through a neighborhood, is literally asking to be robbed. <laughs> yeah, you're flaunting. Yeah. Think yeah. about the Dinman Hall we could get. <laughs> I know. Well, it was just so sad because these guys were 17 and 18. And so they were I mean, we all love Girl Scout cookies, but that's just vicious. But here's the thing about, because someone did make a comment of like, oh, where were the parents? But that's what the Girl Scouts are trying to teach, that you have a buddy system and then you don't need a parent. Well, so, until, you you get, until you get robbed. robbed. Yeah. By dangerous men. <laughs> now two of you have a story about getting robbed, not just one of you. Now, now two of you need, I need to go to therapy for the next... Yeah, but but so then, but, at what age can the Girl Scouts be parent free? Well, if you're hauling around cookies, I think you need a, a many many car. adults. I think you need a small army of adults to, to fend <laughs> off hungry teenagers. How were these teens caught? You, you mentioned their ages, so they were eventually apprehended. Yeah, they were 17 and 18, and then um, a nearby person in their home heard the girls yelling that their cookies were being stolen so he got in his car and followed the two because the, the one like grabbed the wagon started running and then his friend was waiting in a car this was a premeditated cookie binge you so, know so like this, it wasn't this like, wasn't a crime of opportunity there was, no, there, was, was yeah. there was this a was getaway car these girls walked into a trap is what you're saying <laughs> exactly. there's no badge for this um so yeah, so then uh, the the adult was chasing them in his car <laughs> with all their cookies, and then he uh, called the the police, and so I'm sure then they got a they got a license plate number, and then they were arrested and charged with theft under a thousand dollars, which means they're they're gonna get away with this pretty easy, but forever they will have on their uh, record Girl Scout stealing. <laughs> you, you know, you know that when those guys were in the city jail, and they're like, "Yo, yo, dude, what are you here for?" <laughs> the guy was like, "Hey, bro, do not tell them we stole Girl Scout cookies from two little girls. Do not tell them that." All right, what do you have, Tyler? Um, well, uh, well, my story comes from the University of Amsterdam, where a, a study took place, has been taking place for quite some time, and they just released the results of it this week. Uh, some scientists, for lack of a better word, I don't want to offend any scientists, but this doesn't seem like a super sciencey thing, are trying to determine what the catchiest pop song of all time is. 
uh, and they've been do they've been working on this for quite some time by playing for different people short clips of songs of top 40 songs over the past 70 years and seeing how long it takes people to recognize what this song is and hmm. um and after after serving 12,000 people, they released the results of uh, this metric. We can discuss maybe the metric they used because I'm not sure how fast you remember a song means it's the catchiest song. But that may be a, a topic for you guys to discuss on Twitter later on. I'm no scientist. Not sure these guys are either. <laughs> but they've released the results. And, and in any case, the top five catchiest songs of the past 70 years. Number five is, uh, is Abba's SOS, which I can't even... Place. I couldn't even hum a few bars of it. They put the mechanism online where you can actually go. Yeah, and you take can go do it test. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty. It's actually pretty uh, fun. But some of these songs where you're like, I don't know what this like Alba's SOS. But when you start hearing it, you're like, Oh, I, I kind of do know the lyrics of this. Never heard that song. I, I have never heard, heard it. But Not I, Dancing Queen. Yeah, the SOS. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Abba, and, yeah, I, I and I say this. Pretty catchy. <laughs> <laughs> it left me wanting more. Um, but I've never seen Mamma Mia. I'm not a big Abba fan, so maybe that's maybe we're just maybe we're just a few outliers. Yeah, just, hmm. just a different generation. Yeah. But the next the next one I'm definitely quite familiar with, as are all of you. Lady Gaga's Just Dance. Another like a luxury techie, yeah, kind of synthy song. I'm not Lady Gaga is not one of my favorite top forty artists, but I'd be able to pull that song out of a yeah, lineup. Yeah, uh, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Hey, Cameron, can you do a favor? Just keep that running. <laughs> <laughs> We're all bobbing our heads. <laughs> kind of grooving, man. Uh, the next one is also quite familiar. Uh, this is number three. It's Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, how I start my, that's how I start my yeah, day. I was going to say, my alarm goes off, and that's the song that's playing. I put my when they, when they the pulled around your red Mustang, that was playing, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, man. So when I was really little, and we'd go to the roller rink, yeah. this oh, would yeah. come on. I would be skating just a little bit faster. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Press the girls a little bit. Oh, you're cruising around. Oh, yeah. Doing a few spins. Flying right by him. Just kind of like, yeah, you know. Did, yeah. the, did the floor guard at that point, like the guy in the referee shirt, kind of like, who's this kid? Who's this <laughs> He's like looking at the other floor guard like, hey, keep an eye on him. He's got moves. He's got moves. You flip it, go backwards real quick, you know. And just... oh, did you see him just go through that cone? Whoa. <laughs> All right, that's good. Yeah, uh, number number two, it's a masterpiece of catchy of earworms. Uh, Lou Bega's Mambo Number Five. I feel like I can picture Shauna in her PT Cruiser listening to this. <laughs> what number was that? that this is number two. N- this is number two, Second. not number five. Second. Ironically, yeah. Uh, you think we're? Do you think there's Mambo's number one through four that we just never got to hear? Those are the demos. Well, the thing is, Cameron, they have a separate list of the most catchiest Mambo. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> this came at number six. <laughs> it was very confusing. Mambo number five is the Mambo. And then, and then the number one catchiest song of the past seventy years. When I read it, my anaconda don't want none. Yeah. When, I, when yeah, I read no. it, it was there was it was not surprising when I read it, and it won't be surprising to you guys either. Uh, it's a wannabe by the Spice Girls. You're a fan, Jeff. Absolutely. Were you allowed to listen to the Spice Girls? I love the Spice Girls for a season. Surprise! Anything you thought would be on that list that wasn't? I I'll, I'll weigh in right now. 
I think Hampson's bop was robbed. I agree. Yeah, I think it's it was a good deal. straight I up think robbed. If they would have done it like a year later, "Shake It Off" would have absolutely been on. Yeah, there. yeah. So Taylor Swift has some chat. awfully catchy songs. Okay, I, yeah. I mean, I think that there's some like early '90s like hip hop, pop, like Hammer stuff or Young MCs, like uh, or, or Baby Got Back Baby or things like back, that. Just yeah. get stuck yeah. in your head. Yeah. Bye bye bye. That seems like such a yeah. I was I was trying to think boy band style, like yeah. even like uh, New Kids on the Block. Yeah, New Kids or Brit- some of those like oh, top oh, forty. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would have thought oh, that could have been in there. Oh, more, oh, oh, oh. Or, or even like Happy. What? Like Pharrell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. True. Primarily because the the song is pretty much just one long chorus. Yeah. And I guess that we can't... It grinds away into your head. And right. I get that we can't like just pull from things that released the past two years, but I don't think ABBA deserves to be on the list. I'm sorry to all the ABBA fans out there. Yeah. I know you are legion and, and you're devoted. And you are many. But you are wrong. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's... <laughs> Um, so that's a. Uh, so those are the top five. The the full list you can go. Uh, you can go find. We'll post a link to it. On there you the, go on the page. on the podcast episode page. All right, that'll do for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, John Guerra. You're listening to King's Kaleidoscope. The song is I Know. Well, this week's studio session is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. A Casper mattress provides resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. Casper's mattress is one of a kind, a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. It has just the right sink, just the right bounce. The two technologies come together for better nights and brighter days. I actually have a Casper mattress in the house, and it is incredibly comfortable. I've lounged on it before, and it is very comfortable. We, I was not on it while you were lounging right. on it. Yeah, let's be very clear But about that. it is a great mattress. Very comfortable. I was shocked at how comfortable it was. Also shocking, the price. It's obsessively engineered mattresses at shockingly fair prices. Uh, they also have a risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Um, you can feel good about it because the mattresses are made in America. And as far as prices goes, you know, like quality mattresses, like really good ones, are 1500 bucks and up. I mean, not that a lot of us, you know, we have a lot of hand-me-down mattresses and things like that. But if you want a good quality one, it's going to cost a ton of money. Uh, Casper's start at 500 bucks for a twin-size mattress up to uh, 950 for king-size mattresses. Comparing that to industry averages, it's an outstanding price point. And... Relevant podcast listeners, we have a special offer for you. If you go to casper.com slash relevant, casper.com slash relevant, and use promo code relevant, you'll get $50 off uh, your mattress order. And remember, free trial and uh, free shipping. So it's it's a great deal. And you're going to like the mattress. I'm telling you, I, I'm a huge fan. It's a, it's a really great mattress. John Guerra is a multi-instrumentalist singer-songwriter currently living in Chicago with his wife, and is part of the Vertical Church Band worship team. He was raised in Wheaton, Illinois, where he spent his uh, younger years learning to play guitar and obsessing over artists like Dylan and Rich Mullins and Radiohead. Uh, John's been featured on Relevant TV and had a song on the Relevant Collection Volume 14, our last one. 
he released his debut EP Glass this year, and you can currently stream it on the drop at relevantmagazine.com. He recently came through our studio and performed three songs. We're going to play two here on the show, and then the third one will be exclusively on the podcast episode page at our website. Performing I Will Follow, here is John Guerra. When the sea is calm and all is right I feel your favor flood my life Even in the good, I'll follow you Even in the good, I'll follow you When the boat is tossed upon the waves When I wonder if you keep me safe Even in the storms, I'll follow you the storms are falling. I believe everything that you say you are. I believe and I have seen your unchanging heart in the good things in the hardest part. I believe and I will follow you. I believe and I As one, I will be with you in paradise. Oh, I will be with you in paradise. Oh, I believe everything that you say. And I will follow you 
was John Guerra. Make sure to check out his EP Glass on the drop at RobinMaggie.com. When I'm quiet, I can nearly hear him say listening to Mickey Echo song is Smile from the album Time Eugene Cho is the founder and executive director of One Day's Wages a movement of people stories and actions to alleviate extreme global poverty he's also the founding and lead pastor of Quest Church and the founder and executive director of Q Cafe a nonprofit community cafe and music venue in Seattle Born in South Korea, he immigrated to the U.S. at age six and grew up in San Francisco. He now lives in Seattle with his family. Eugene's first book is called Overrated. Are we more in love with the idea of changing the world than actually changing the world? And it released this fall. He gave me a copy. I was with him recently. He's, yeah. It's a really good book. Our very own Eddie Big Cat Koffeltz recently spoke to him. Here is Eugene Cho. Before we get into a discussion of the book, it's probably helpful to know uh, what or maybe who is is overrated. You know, I, I begin by telling people that it's it's a, it's a confession. So, uh, who is overrated? Uh, all I can speak of is for myself. Uh, I know that uh, it is something that I wrestle with, and because it's a confession, and as I've been talking about this and sharing about this, even before writing the book, I was surprised that a lot of people also kind of resonated with the message that I was trying to say, that we have lots of good intent, lots of good ideas, we want to change the world, uh, but uh, we're often maybe more enamored by the idea that when costs come into the picture, when there's barriers and, and, and uh, opposition, that we tend to maybe quit or, or easily be swayed. Um, so uh, in some ways, even though it begins with a confession, uh, I am asking the question, is it possible that we, people that are alive right now, breathing, people that want to change the world, that we might be uh, also one of the more overrated generations in the history of the world? To, to the same end, you talk about how this current generation, this idea of uh, doing justice is uh, very um, in vogue. People are putting red X's all over profile pictures and talking a lot about this and wearing things that talk about doing justice or uh, preventing injustice. Um, why Why do you think it is that even though we may not be um, taking steps to do something, why is it that this is percolating to the surface in this time? 
Well, you know, a couple thoughts come to mind. You know, one is that um, I, I, wa- I do want to be careful that this book isn't received as a critique of millennials. There's a reason why I don't mention the M word at all in the book, uh, because I just feel like the millennial generation happens to be the most scrutinized generation. And there's so many people writing about millennials. And for me, this book is really about anyone that's currently breathing, uh, people that are alive right now. Um, but in response to your question, I, I I think we have to first do a lot of affirmation. I think these are exciting times that there are people that actually want to do good things. I'm reminded of the necessity for us to honor uh, some of our spiritual fathers and mothers, our predecessors who've gone before us, who really labored to make uh, the conversation and theology of justice part of the narrative of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, I feel like 20 years ago, maybe even 10 plus years ago, there were some conversations about justice or justice-related issues that were just taboo in the church, that people saw these things as really uh, 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 agenda items that had nothing to do with the gospel. And because of the work that they've done, I think we're at a juncture right now where people begin to are beginning to realize that uh, justice is part of our discipleship, that it's part of the character of God. So when you, when you ask the question, why has it surfaced uh, in the church today, I think in many parts it's because of the work that's gone before us. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm just really um, humbled by what's going on. I get to be a part of it in some way, both as a leader and just as a follower of Jesus. But because justice is becoming celebrated and is becoming hip or vogue or trendy or whatever you want to call it, this is the time that we really have to ask the question, how then do we do justice? Can you define what justice is? Oh, man, that's a great question. And I, and I do devote a chapter to it in the book. And, you know, I think that the, 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 the most simple, basic way uh, that I try to define justice to people is to uh, restore that which is broken in the manner of how God intended it for the world. And that's a very complex conversation that I think we need to, you know, have nuances and case by case, example by example. But I think about what God intended for the world. I think about Genesis chapter one and all the good, all the peace, all the flourishing and shalom that God intended in our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with creation. And because of sin, depravity, rebellion, that which is broken. And I think the work of of justice is trying to restore by God's grace uh, that which God intended. I, I like the affirmation of the book because you're right. It, it, the book doesn't read or feel at all like an indictment. It feels like an affirmation that, like, like, like to take a next step. Like you, you affirm the idea that people are clearly in love with the idea of changing the world, and the, the, you're calling them to do something. Um, what what is the barrier to doing something? Why why isn't this this awareness always? moving towards action? Well, you know, I think, I think awareness in itself is important. So, you know, earlier you had mentioned, you know, the red X mark on people's, uh, people's hands and awareness is important. I don't want to discount 
the significance and importance of that. But I think what we want to communicate to people and what we need to communicate is that awareness cannot be the totality of our action. That the work of justice, the work of really following Jesus. And, you know, for me, I, I keep telling people not to call this a justice book. And they don't listen to me. They all call it a justice book. But for me, it's not a justice book at all. It's really a discipleship book. So I want people to realize that justice is not some special category that special Christians or only special Christians engage in. It's really just part of our discipleship. If we're disciples of Christ, then justice, the heart of God, the character of God, these things must be reflected in action. And so because it's a discipleship thing, and justice is part of that, then it has to be a lifelong thing. It has to be this marathon as opposed to a quick stop, you know, a Facebook post, a tweet, a Pinterest, uh, just us doing a fundraiser one at a time. But I think there has to be a lot of deep work that goes on. And yes, while we have to do things, there are things that we need to, that need to take place. One of the questions, a nuanced questions that I'm trying to encourage people to ask is, is it possible that the work of justice and the pursuit of justice also needs to do us in some way? Does it change us? How does it inform and transform us? That we're not just doing the work of God, but it really needs that we really need to examine ourselves and how God might be um, uh, stirring within our hearts. Uh, one of the phrases that I mentioned in the book is that we're often asking God to move mountains. But I think we need to really be open to the possibility that God wants to move us, and it's possible that we might, in fact, be that mountain that God wants to move. Take this to the the person that's listening to this right now, who's engaged with the book, who's listening to you, and they're wondering like how how am I really supposed to uh, to to change the world? Like really, like aren't some people called to care for their sphere of people in their cubicle farm, be a good friend, spouse, serve God? In other words, what is the the average person, I'm, I'm included, what is the average person's response to the, the biblical mandate to do justice? What does this mean for people that maybe don't have the next great nonprofit brewing somewhere in their head, but just are putting one foot in front of the other and wondering how to engage in this truth? Yeah. Well, I, I love that question. I think it may be one of the more critical questions that we need to discuss in the church over the next 10 years. Because I think we are enamored, because we're enamored with justice, but we're not just enamored with justice, we're enamored with not just wanting to change the world, but also being recognized in that process. And so when we think about justice or injustice, we're thinking about these big issues, these huge issues. And I see a lot of people, including young people, thinking that we have to start our own nonprofit, our own organizations, our own whatever it may be, our own logos and brands and such. And I don't think that's necessarily what we need to do. It may be for some, but certainly not for, for all of us. Um, what I do tell people is, I, I think about Mother Teresa's quote, uh, I think it's really apropos here. She says, if you want to change the world, I'll start at home. There's something about the way that we live justly in the here and now. 
in the morning to the nighttime when we're not be when, when we're not being seen when we're not on platform when we're not at a conference when we're not at a small group whatever it might be there's something about how we live justly in the day to day and part of that involves in how we interact with human beings with other people with those that are oftentimes maybe forgotten even in our own lives i would first respond by that but i'm also trying to resist the temptation of giving you here's five things yeah. that people should do here's right. five causes because i think this is the work that we need to be doing on our own and so one of those things that i i would just encourage people to do and this isn't rocket science your listeners are probably going to be a little frustrated but i say well let's read the scriptures pray spend time with god in prayer be among a community of believers that are like-minded and like-hearted and be in this together so it's not just about a one-hit wonder. Oftentimes when we do feel convicted, our initial impetus or our initial kind of uh, a gut feeling is, I gotta just get out there and do something. But I find that most of those things in my own experience and as a pastor to a lot of 20 and 30-somethings and 40-somethings is that they're very short-lived. And I think there's something about letting our responses to living more justly, to changing the world, to really being grounded in the spiritual disciplines of scripture, of prayer, of fasting, of being in community and fellowship. So that's what I would tell people is engage in these things and see what brews out of those, uh, those responses. That was Eugene Cho. To hear the rest of this interview, we've posted the full thing over on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. And you can find out more about the book at areyouoverrated.com. You're listening to We Are Twin. The song is In The Moment. When John came through to record in our studio, his wife was with him, and she um, actually joined him on the performance. Yeah. Yeah, played, uh, she brought her violin, played violin, sang some background vocals, and when all was said and done, they then took me out to lunch. So I'd say it was a good day overall. It's a good day for you. Yeah. It's a good day to be Snavely <laughs> right there. Uh, in addition to these two songs, make sure to check out the third one over on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Performing wherever you are, here is John Guerra. You can take the train, you can take the car You can travel the world but not get too far You are always just where you are Don't you want to be where you are See you sad, I can see you down. You think you're lost and cannot be found. You are always just where you are. Love will find you just where you 
Wherever you go, he is there. No matter the steep hill or stair, he doesn't leave you alone with your dread. He is as close to your friend as your own heartbeat of breath. Believe you are loved, and that he is enough. Whatever you're in, you know that he's been wherever you are. When your head is spinning and your life's a race, when you try so hard but you get last place, sometimes you are just where you are. Love doesn't leave you where you are. Wherever you go, he's there. No matter the steep hill or stair, he doesn't leave you. Alone with your friend, it's as close to your friend as your own heartbeat of breath. Leave you all up, and that he is enough. Whatever you're in, know that he's been wherever you are. Exactly where you've been, and he loves you, child. He loves you, so come out, come out, come out, wherever you are. Wherever you go, he is there, no matter the steep hill or stair. Doesn't leave you alone with your prayer. He is as close to your friend as your own heartbeat of breath. Believe you are loved, and that he is enough for whatever you need. Know that he's been wherever you go. He is there, no matter the steepest there. He doesn't leave you alone with your prayer. Loves you so you're never alone wherever you are, and he left a throne to bring you home from wherever you are. That was John Guerra. You can find him on Twitter at I am John Guerra or at johngarramusic.com.
You're listening to Jesse Ware. The song is Tough Love, not to be uh, uh, confused with Jesse J. No. Who is <laughs> very not, different. Not Jesse Ware. Didn't we do that recently? I, I feel I like did. we did a meeting. Yeah. yeah, in a meeting. I was like, really? We want to have Jesse J in the magazine? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, we want Jesse Ware. <laughs> Okay, it's time for your feedback. But before we get into last week's question of the week, I want to issue an apology sincerely, actually. Yeah, so last week when we were talking about the Olive Garden Pass, and, and I, you know, I said off the cuff, you know, I was a Southern pastor, and I kind of made a uh, comical exaggeration of the stereotype that all Southern pastors are overweight. Apparently some Southern pastors listen to the show and wrote us with kind of, you know, valid offense. And right. I actually, you know, I, I wasn't thinking of any people in particular. I was thinking of, honestly, like a cartoonish stereotype of the the old Southern preacher, you know? So, like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I really am sorry. I don't, I don't mean to offend actual humans. And I don't think all Southern preachers are fat. So, there so there's that. But I would say it's not even like pastors. It's just like the South in general is difficult. Like I went to Mobile, Alabama, and I was at like a Holiday Inn Express, which are all over the country. And they'll do these little like buffet spreads for you or whatever. And at every other Holiday Inn Express I've been, they've had fruits, vegetables, and it was like literally straight biscuits, gravy, gravy. sausage. Yeah. And, that, and that, there was no other options. What did you have? Biscuits, gravy, sausage. <laughs> because, because they know how to treat people when you're in God's country, Joy. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to say, I wanted to say, I was a little uh, concerned with how I was articulating things last week when we were talking about separation of schools and church and all that stuff. And I feel like it's a much bigger conversation that maybe we should have when Eddie comes back. But I re-listened to it because I was like, I think when I said something, it didn't come out right. And when I was talking about having grown up in Michigan and when that whole talk of Sharia law came out, I, I said it, it came out of my mouth. Like I thought that it actually happened. And I knew that it didn't. I knew there was just like conversations around that. And I was using that as an example to say, we have to think through like the beauty of living in a country where there are freedoms, but whether it's Sharia law or Westboro Baptist or whatever it is, these extremes, at a certain point when we kind of have that mentality of everything is permissible, like we have to stop and go, but is everything beneficial? And so, um, so I know that came out wrong, um, but I have been thinking about that conversation that Eddie brought up and I, I would like to continue it because I do feel like on some level, like I love Young Life, don't get me wrong. But when we look at the bigger scope of America, like, should there be any type of group that can come and approach students? You know, like, is that is that beneficial? Is that fair? But at the same extreme, like, we don't want to go so far where we stop everything. And like, like, I grew up in a school that I said was very diverse. And we had all these after school programs of like Muslim groups or Christian groups. And when we lose that, then I feel like we do start to live in this place of fear as opposed to like, if we really are Christians and we believe that this is truth then we should encourage our kids to go to all these different after-school programs and hope that there's diversity at our school so that kids can learn and make a choice for themselves out of knowledge, not because mommy and daddy sheltered them. Well said. Thank you. All right. Well, it's time for last week's question of the week. Last week, uh, we asked you, well, you have to listen to last week's show for this to make any sense. <laughs> How does Nick Walinda give himself more goosebumps? If you heard last week's show, you heard the clip where after he walked over the tightrope, he told us 
well, you know, I just give myself goosebumps sometimes. <laughs> like, what? What? Oh, my goodness. Oh, Nick Walinda. Oh, there's one of one. God broke the mold. You know what I'm saying? Um, so... So we want to know how how else could Nick Walenda give himself more goosebumps? <laughs> you guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com, and uh, you also hit us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and posted your replies. Here's a few of our favorites. <laughs> Douglas Hogan said, well, "Well, I'll say this. Let me let me give some context for this. Uh, we, we compared him to a famous guest star." On Arrested Development for no other reason than their spectacular uh, uh-huh. uh, personalities. Uh-huh. But Douglas Hogan said that the only way he could give him boost, goosebumps now is if he baked himself into a loaf of bread. <laughs> Hashtag Tony Wonder. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Michael said, uh, well, Linda could easily give himself goosebumps by either buying the R.L. Stein Goosebumps books or watching the old adaptations on Netflix. Or he could just try putting tweezers into electrical socket after walking across the zip line. Yeah, people people were talking about like why doesn't why doesn't Nick Linda give America goosebumps by just handing out the book series, walking town to town, handing out <laughs> the children's books. He's quite literally giving America goosebumps. goosebumps yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's his new children's literature campaign. <laughs> yeah, how are people getting confused by this? <laughs> I'm doing g- good public service for the children. I'm giving you goosebumps. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Evelyn Gaddis or Gaddis. Uh, I'm going to go with Gaddis. 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 I like that. Never heard that last name. Um, she thinks that he could give himself uh, goosebumps if he had obstacle courses throughout the, the walk. So she thought if he went across the English Channel blindfolded with like swinging axes coming towards him, a ferocious tiger. Uh, but then I like this one. She said wet seaweed wrapped around the wire that he then must change his shoes out halfway through in order to put on a new pair that have been soaked in dish soap. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, wow. that's yeah. You just want yeah. him to die. sounds like somebody's got a vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Nick Willand has made some enemies sounds, and they yeah. all wrote in that's challenges. frankly impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Murphy said there's, it's easy for Nick Willand to give himself goosebumps. He can just go check them out at the local library. Yeah, there you go. Everybody's loving and that. And we're back to the books. Everybody's yeah, loving the goosebumps. Well, it's the same joke, but it's... <laughs> that, that was a nice twist. Okay, nice. Jesse, this one's for you. Justin Smith said... He's done it with Nick Walenda blindfolded, but can he do it with Nikki Walenda, his evil neck twin? Also <laughs> <laughs> so he's just wearing a little scarf around his neck. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's cold up here. <laughs> Shut up, Nikki. <laughs> Thrown off my balance. I like Trevor Bueller's idea. He says he should do that. Nick Walenda should do Niagara Falls again, but this time walk directly through the falling water <laughs> for the world's largest ice bucket challenge. Ah. <laughs> which which I, have, I have some goosebumps right now. That's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> Jacob says, I don't know why this would add an element of difficulty, but maybe it's just a good product tie-in. He does it dressed as a Truvago guy. Considering the Truvago guy doesn't notably doesn't wear a belt, maybe it is an extra element of challenge. How are you going to pull a, your pants up if you're holding that big stick? Uh, it's called snatchcocking, and you... <laughs> <laughs> it's a common Thanksgiving... Preparation method. Okay. Real, real quick, Douglas also had it. <laughs> well, Linda used to be a little W. Now he's a big W. 
Hashtag Tony Wonder. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more. If you guys want to chime in or check them out, uh, head over to last week's episode page at the at RelandMagazine.com or check out the Twitter feed at Roland Podcast. Okay, it's time for this week's... Editorial question of the week. Well, you know, earlier in the show, Shauna, before the internet took her away from us, uh, brought some fantastic Thanksgiving tips. Um, and we thought we should crowdsource this thing. And we want to know your best... Or worst. Thanksgiving tips to make a memorable Thanksgiving holiday for family and friends. Do you guys have any off the top of your head that Shauna Shauna covered a she lot covered of ground? A lot. Yeah, I think I think we, we we brought some good ones. Not only am I looking forward to hearing what the listeners have to say, or if they have any, I would like to hear their horror stories. <laughs> oh horror <laughs> stories. I like relishing in other people's pain and awkwardness. So, so tips or you just answer all of Jesse's questions tips. as well. Yeah, if you could answer Jesse's <laughs> questions. Yeah. Shauna which Shauna curiously avoided doing. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> she was like next. Well, yeah, if you have any uh, tips or answers uh, for Jesse, if you have any Thanksgiving tips, you can uh, tell us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post them on the podcast episode page at RelevantMagazine.com. Many thanks to John Guerra for joining us. Make sure to head over to the podcast episode page at RelevantMagazine.com for an exclusive third song that he performed in our studio. It's pretty amazing. And make sure to check out his debut EP, Glass, which came out this year and is currently streaming on The Drop at our website. Thanks also to Eugene Cho for talking to us. You can find out more about his new book, Overrated, at areyouoverrated.com. It's a, uh, there's a test there. Right. It's like a, the like answer, a Cosmo quiz. The you answer know? is no. Right. <laughs> I know I'm not over. Are losers. you the type of person that gets Mustang upgrades or PT Cruiser <laughs> upgrades? <laughs> um, all right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chad Michael Snavely. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Joy Agridge. For Shauna Nequist and Eddie Big Cat Coffolds. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts and get bonus material from this episode at the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check out the magazine. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Bring me meats, I'll hack them up, don't worry.